I've heard it said before that the work of the Holy Spirit is not to call attention to himself, but rather to give glory to Jesus and God the Father. Is that statement accurate? Well, I'm not so certain that it is. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at the Christian faith in a systematic, organized, orderly fashion in looking at the great truths God has given to us about Himself. In the 100 series, we looked at the person of God. In the 200 series, the person of Jesus. And now in this 300 series, we're looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And in this 300 series, we're looking primarily at four actions of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit purifies, the Holy Spirit unifies, the Holy Spirit reveals, and the Holy Spirit empowers. Now, there are other aspects the Bible talks about, but in general, uh, about the work of the Holy Spirit, but in general, the work of the Spirit can be summarized in those four actions. The Spirit purifies, unifies, reveals, and empowers. And in our last podcast, we looked at the first two of those actions, how the Holy Spirit purifies and unifies. And in this podcast, we're going to look at the third action of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit reveals. How the Holy Spirit reveals. And there are six specific actions that the Bible talks about as far as the revealing work or the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about these six actions that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. First of all, number one, the Holy Spirit's revelation to the prophets in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament. So first of all, let's look at the revelation to the prophets and the apostles. Now, the Holy Spirit, in revealing God's words to the Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles, in many cases, these are the words that, that could be put into Scripture that God included in His holy book. The Old Testament Scriptures came about because, as 2 Peter 1.21 tells us, because men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Several other passages mention the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament prophets. The New Testament apostles and others who wrote the words of the New Testament, they also were guided into all truth by the Holy Spirit, according to John 16, 13. So we see that, that the Holy Spirit revealed Himself and gave words, sometimes put into books of the Bible, to the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles. Now, others were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke or they sang as part of Scripture, Elizabeth in Luke 1 and Zechariah in Luke 1 and Simeon in Luke 2. And you have that as well as the Holy Spirit came upon them. But the first revealing action of the Spirit came to the Old Testament prophets and to the New Testament apostles. But here's the second action, number two. 
Second revealing action of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence. The Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence. Now, as I began the podcast, I I mentioned that it has been said before that the work of the Holy Spirit is not to call attention to himself, but rather to give glory to Jesus and to God the Father. But that does not seem to be supported by Scripture. Of course, the Holy Spirit does glorify Jesus, John 16, 14, and does bear witness to him. But that does not mean that he does not make his actions and words known. In fact, the Bible has hundreds of verses talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and the Bible itself is spoken or inspired by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit frequently made himself known by phenomena that indicated his activity both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. That was true when the Spirit came upon the 70 elders with Moses and they prophesied. That was Numbers chapter 11, verses 25-26. That was true when the Holy Spirit came upon the judges to enable them to do great works of power. Uh, And in these instances, people could see the effect of the Holy Spirit coming upon the servants of the Lord. It was true when the Spirit came mightily upon Saul and he prophesied with a band of prophets in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And it was frequently true when God empowered the Old Testament prophets to give their public prophecies. So, we can see in the Old Testament, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, sometimes people think, well, the Holy Spirit only came in the New Testament. No, no, He was active in the Old Testament. He came upon individuals, and it was a direct action of the Holy Spirit. Now, you go to the New Testament, you see the Spirit made Himself, His presence evident in a very visible way. When he descended as a dove on Jesus at his baptism in John 1.32. And the Spirit came in, in an evident way as the sound of a rushing wind and with visible tongues of fire on the disciples at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And when people had the Holy Spirit poured out on them, they began to speak in tongues and praise God in remarkable and spontaneous ways The Holy Spirit's presence made known God in real and powerful and tangible ways. Now, in the lives of individual believers, the Holy Spirit does not entirely conceal His work, but makes Himself known in various ways in my life and in your life as believers in Christ. He bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, Romans 8, 16. We cry, Abba, Father, Galatians 4, 6. The Spirit provides a guarantee or a down payment of our future fellowship with Him in heaven, 2 Corinthians 1.22. And He reveals His desires to us so we can be led by those desires and follow them to please the Lord. So the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence, not just in the Old Testament, not just in the New Testament, but also in my life and in your life as believers in Christ, His presence manifests the presence of God. 
But there's a third action, and I want to go in a little more detail about the third action of the Holy Spirit revealing Himself, and that is the Holy Spirit guides and directs God's people. Third revelation, a revealing act. The Holy Spirit guides and directs the people of God. Now, the Bible gives us a lot of examples of direct guidance from the Holy Spirit to various individuals. In, in the Old Testament, you, you see uh, God said it was for sin for the people to enter into agreements with others when those agreements were not of the Spirit, Isaiah 30, verse 1. Apparently, the people had been deciding on the basis of their own wisdom, making decisions, and their own common sense, which a lot of believers even do today, rather than seeking the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. And God told them it was sin for a people to do that. Folks, it is sin for you today to rely upon your common sense and upon your own wisdom to make decisions. You are to lean upon the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. So strong was this leading of the Holy Spirit. Mark says the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. That's pretty powerful language. Now, in other contexts, the Spirit gave direct words of guidance to people. For example, Philip, when he said, go over and join the chariot in Acts chapter 8. Of course, we know the Ethiopian eunuch was there. So the Spirit guided him, told him directly what to do. And the Holy Spirit told Peter to go with the three men who came to him from Cornelius' household in Acts chapter 10, and, and he directed the Christians at Antioch in Acts chapter 13. So there are times in the New Testament the Spirit of God told believers exactly what to do and where to go and who would be there. Now, the, in the vast majority of cases, though, the, the leading and guiding by the Holy Spirit is not nearly as dramatic for you and me. The Bible talks about a day-to-day -day guidance that the Holy Spirit leads us. It calls us being led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Galatians 5, 18 says, But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So there is a sense in which day-to-day, -day, maybe not as dramatic as some of them in the book of Acts, but day-to-day -day leading and guiding by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, let me mention a book right now, which kind of has a, a fascinating premise to it. It's a book entitled Decision-Making and the Will of God, produced a number of years ago by Gary Friesen. And in this book, he, he, he has an interesting premise. Friesen says, don't think that these verses, like being led by the Spirit of God, the ones I just mentioned to you, don't, don't think that verses like that talk about subjective perceptions of the Holy Spirit's guidance in our individual decision-making and actions of ordinary life. In other words, he says the Spirit of God is going to lead you to doing the moral will of God not just what should I have for lunch, where should I go, what should I do. 
today. Friesen says the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you in those kinds of decisions. He leads you in greater decisions such as fulfilling the moral will of God. Is Friesen correct? Does the Holy Spirit not guide and direct you and me on a daily basis such as what to have for lunch, what clothes to wear, what to put on, where to go? Does the Spirit not guide us in those? Well, let me share with you what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul used a Greek word for leading or led by the Spirit. The word for led there is the Greek word ago, A-G-O. It means to lead or to bring. In fact, this verb is very common in the New Testament. 69 times it's used. And it gives a picture of someone specifically leading a person or an animal from one location to the next. So because of the word, the Greek word that's used for led by the Spirit of God, the word led there is ago. Because of that, I believe the Spirit of God does lead us into everyday decisions. Friesen would disagree, uh, but, but I believe the Spirit of God does lead us to, to all the decisions. And, and it's the Greek word ago that is the reason why I, I believe that. Now, here are some examples, and the point should be clear. When first century readers who frequently use the verb ago to speak of a person leading or guiding from one place to the next, whenever the first century readers familiar with this word saw that Paul used this verb to talk about the Holy Spirit, they would have understood it to mean detail, specific guidance in the various choices and decisions of everyday life. I believe the New Testament readers would have expected that. In every New Testament example that uses ago to speak of, of, of a leading by personal agent, Romans 8, 14, Galatians 5, 18, those are very specific, uh, being led very specifically to a de destination. It was not just simply imparting the generalized moral concepts of God's law. So I disagree with Friesen. I think the scripture does back up the fact that the Holy Spirit leads and guides you and me in the everyday decisions of life, not just into God's greater and moral will. Now, I agree with Friesen that the context in, in these passages show those who are led by the Spirit will live in a pattern of God's moral laws. Don't get me wrong. We're, God doesn't want us to sin. The Holy Spirit will lead us away from sin. So I agree with Friesen in the moral aspect of it, but I also believe that the Spirit of God leads us specifically into everyday actions and everyday choices. Listen to Galatians 5. Paul had just told the Galatians to walk in the Spirit Galatians 5.16, and a few verses later he said, Galatians 5.25, if, if we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, that entire passage is, really kind of sustains the image of one who is being led by the Spirit from one location to the other. Now, 
Other times, uh, there are other examples of the Holy Spirit guiding people directly in the book of Acts. In fact, the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit all over that book, directing God's people here and there and doing different things. In fact, uh, in Acts 15, 28, uh, after the Jerusalem Council made their decision, the leaders wrote in the letter to the churches, quote, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. So in other words, the Holy Spirit led the council in their decision-making, and it seems good to us. It suggests that the council had a good sense of the pleasure of the Holy Spirit in what to do. You look in Acts 16, uh, Paul's second missionary journey. Luke writes, but Paul said, we were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, but we were led to Bithynia. And then, of course, they went on to Philippi and had great work there. And it appears that the Holy Spirit led them in the everyday decisions of life. So the Holy Spirit, in his revealing actions, number one, revealed to the prophets and the apostles in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Number two, the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence. And number three, the Spirit guides and directs God's people. Let's go to number four. Fourth action of the Holy Spirit. And in Revelation, He provides a godlike atmosphere when He manifests His presence. He provides a godlike atmosphere. Now, friends, because the Holy Spirit is fully God and the Holy Spirit shares all the attributes of God, His influence wherever He is will bring a God-like atmosphere and God-like character to the situation where He's at work. You ever been in a situation where you say, you know, I just feel like the Spirit of God is at work here? I just feel God's presence. I feel a holiness here. That's because the Spirit of God brings that God-like atmosphere wherever He moves. Because He is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He will at all times bring about conviction of sin, conviction of righteousness, and conviction of judgment. That's what John 16, 8 through 11 says His work is. Because God is love, the Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts, according to Romans 5, 5. And often the strongly manifestation of the Holy Spirit will create an atmosphere of love because God is love. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, that God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. So whenever the Holy Spirit comes in, He's not going to bring confusion to your life or to your atmosphere he, or your circumstances, He's going to bring a spirit of peace. He brings peace into situations. Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that tells us that the Holy Spirit imparts joy and imparts peace. Now, here are some other elements of the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit brings and imparts whenever He comes. The Holy Spirit imparts truth, according to John 14, 17. The Holy Spirit imparts wisdom when He comes, according to Deuteronomy 34, 9. The Holy Spirit imparts comfort, Acts 9, 31. Freedom, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. 
righteousness, Romans 14, 17. When the Holy Spirit is around, He imparts hope, Romans 15, 13. An awareness of sonship or adoption, Romans 8, 15. And He even brings glory, according to 2 Corinthians 3, 8. The Holy Spirit brings unity, Ephesians 4, 3. The Holy Spirit brings power, Acts 10, 38. All of these elements are the Holy Spirit's activity revealing God to us, and wherever the Spirit of God is, there is a God-like atmosphere. Praise God. Number five, the fifth revealing work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this one. He gives us assurance. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance. The Bible tells us, Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you know that you're saved? The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Gives evidence of the work of God within us. 1 John 3, 24 says, By this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He's given us. That's how you know. The Holy Spirit brings assurance to your heart. How many people have I talked to that do not have assurance of their salvation? The Holy Spirit working in your life wants you to be assured, brings assurance that you're a child of God. 1 John 4, 13, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only witnesses to us that we're God's children, He also witnesses that God abides in us and that we're abiding in Him. So once again, more than an intellect is involved in salvation, the Spirit works to give assurance at the subjective level of spiritual and emotional perception. The fifth revealing work is that the Spirit of God gives us assurance. And then finally, number six, and we'll wrap up our podcast for this week. The sixth revealing work of the Holy Spirit, sixth revealing action is He teaches and He illumines. The Holy Spirit teaches you things, folks, and He illumines your mind and heart to understand the things of God so this aspect, just this is exactly what Jesus promised to us. John 14, 26, Jesus said, it is expedient for me that I, that I go away. It's good that I go away. It, it is good for you that I go away because whenever I go away, the Spirit of God will come and He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And He will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us, that guides us into all truth and illumines our minds and our hearts to understand the things of God. Jesus promised that when his disciples were put on trial because of persecution, you remember Luke 12, 12, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what to say. At other times, the Holy Spirit reveals specific information to people. He showed Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Messiah in Luke 2, 26. The Spirit of God revealed to Agabus 
that a famine was going to occur, Acts chapter 11, verse 28. The Spirit of God revealed to Paul he was going to be taken captive in Jerusalem, Acts 21, 11. The Holy Spirit revealed to Paul he would suffer in Jerusalem, Acts 20, 23. And he expressly said to Paul things that would happen in the latter days in 1 Timothy 4, 1. And the Spirit of God revealed to him what God has prepared for those who love him in 1 Corinthians 2, 10. The Spirit of God illumined to Paul very specific things, to Agabus, to Simeon, very specific detailed things. And the Spirit of God will teach you and illumine your heart and mind very specific details of God working in your life. Now, the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit is seen in the fact that He enables us to understand. 1 Corinthians 2.12, let me read it to you. It says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit who is of God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. So we see very clearly we understand the things of God because we've been given the Spirit of God. Therefore, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the spiritual person judges all things. We should pray that the Holy Spirit would give us illumination and thereby help us understand rightly when we study Scripture or when we ponder situations in our lives. And although he did not mention the Holy Spirit specifically, the psalmist prayed for such illumination when he asked God, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119, verse 18. And then Saul, or rather Paul, he prayed for Christians in the Ephesus area. The same thing. Let me finish by reading what Paul prayed, the illumination of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1, 17 to 18. Paul prayed that the Christians in and around Ephesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of knowing Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power, toward us who believe according to the work of His great might. And that is Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. But he says, My prayer is that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would give it to you. Wow, I'm so thankful for the precious spirit of God that lives and works in my life and in your life as believers in Jesus. Well, these are six actions of the Holy Spirit's revealing work and so we've seen the Holy Spirit purifies, unifies, and reveals. And in our next podcast, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers you for the work of God. Hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed coming to you, and we will see you next week in our podcast. God bless you.